Hi everyone, uh, my name's David and welcome to our first Make It Human podcast. Hi everyone, I'm Richard, uh, Richard Elsie and great to have you with us today. Uh, welcome to our very first Make It Human podcast as well. Um, so I am on a mission to uh, transform service in the UK and wider afield. And why do I want to do that? Well, I've been in hospitality and service for 20 years, working in L&D for 15 of those 20 years. And I've now set up my own consultancy, RJE Associates, which is a small boutique uh, consultancy focusing on helping organisations transform their service proposition. Sounds very posh, doesn't it, Richard? Thank um, you. <laughs> so me, uh, similar experience to Richard in terms of L&D, I've probably done that people development and culture, particularly for about the last sort of 16, 17 years. Um, I run a consultancy with my business partner, Vanessa Jeffrey, who will also uh, be on one of these uh, podcasts in the future. Um, it's called Human4, and our mission really is to make the workplace much more human and build cultures of well-being. Um, so that's us. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what uh, Make It Human is. So essentially it's a, a, a 15 minutes uh, every two weeks discussing and debating people and culture within organisations. Uh, we're focusing on, you know, how can we make workplaces much more human? Uh, we get that bit right, then we're likely to create more engaging customer experiences as well. So it's going to be some interviews, mm -hmm. uh, we're going to get some nice folk into the studio. Yes. Um, and uh, give you some latest thinking, but I think we both wanted to make it really practical, didn't we, mm. as well, so that there's some takeaways that people can actually use and do stuff, uh, start doing things a bit differently today. So we're going to give you some key things to do. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And making it human is what we're all about, really. And we've both worked in organisations that, when they get it right, isn't it a wonderful place to work at? I know, absolutely. It is. So, how do we know each other? Well, um, David and I met socially through a chorus in London um, about five years ago, and we established that we both work in learning and development. This is where everyone expects us to sing. Don't worry, we won't put you through that. <laughs> <laughs> you can buy tickets to the show, though. Um, and uh, we both share a passion for people development and um, improving um, learning and development, but most importantly, really understanding the culture of an organisation, um, what makes an organisation tick, um, and well-being within, within those businesses as well, um, which is very much linked to the um, employee journey, the employee experience, which directly translates into the customer journey, doesn't it? Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's the two should be the same, because if you've got, you can have a brilliant customer experience programme in your organisation, but if you're not happy, yeah. <laughs> and you're feeling really demotivated and disconnected from your organisation, then, you know, you're not going to give your best to the customer, I suppose, so it's one sort of seamless thing, really, in a way, isn't it? Yeah, they say happy team, happy customers. Exactly, exactly. Um, so what we're going to talk about uh, this week, uh, so the first theme is around connection, something we both feel really passionate about. Um, you know, I, I, I still filled with horror when I look at the Gallup uh, engagement figures from 18, now from 19, you know, 15% of the workforce worldwide actively disengaged, you know, why is that a huge tranche in the middle of people that are kind of on autopilot and 
and you know high numbers but disengage so that gets me out of bed in the morning mm. um, it's really important to me and you had a bad customer experience the other day. I did, I did. So um, very recently I went to Itsu. Most of us know Itsu. It's fast food, but fast food sushi. Um, and um, one of their um, chains is now touchscreen. Very, very transactional. Order it yourself and pick it up. Um, and um, I realised that the soup actually wasn't that great. So when I went to talk to a it human... like dishwater. It did. And it tasted like dishwater. <laughs> believe me. And when I went to exchange it for another soup, uh, I got um, equally transactional service from the uh, staff member there. I may as well have been speaking to a computer screen. Exactly. So we're both a bit passionate about uh, connection. So let's try and look at a bit of the problem. We're going to do this each week. We'll look at what's causing the problem. Uh, then, more importantly, spend some time on what can we do about these these things. And um, we'll try and focus on three things that you can do differently that will help and give you some takeaways on those. We'll give you some resources, things that we're listening to, watching, yeah. um, reading that might help you. Uh, and uh, yeah, that, that's going to be more or less the structure each week. Um, so let's get let's kick off, Richard. What do you think? think is happening out there in terms of connection? Are we becoming disconnected? I think there is a problem with connection and let me tell you why. So we live in a crazy world, don't we? We certainly do, he said with his head spinning. Um, and you know, things move at such a pace in this crazy world. Um, we're all being asked to run a mile a minute and do lots more with lots less and that's life. Um, now tech can help us connect. We know that there's lots of platforms out there that we use to connect yeah, to people. Yeah, benefits for sure. It has, but it also has huge drawbacks. And I've spent the majority of my career being in-house as an L&D professional within large organisations and have noticed that one of the biggest issues is the disconnect amongst the workforce, mm. predominantly in large offices where people just sit behind computer screens. Um, plugged in. Plugged in with their headphones on, with expectations to deliver more, deliver faster, and then there may be a bit of fear culture behind that mm. that's underlying. And what you get is people receding into their shells and not really breaking down their silos and just moving away from their desks and having a good old-fashioned face-to-face conversation. Yeah, and I think disconnected a little bit from purpose as well. You know, we all like to create a bit of meaning in what we do and add yeah. value. And I think, you know, that people have lost a sense of their own purpose, what they're doing, this autopilot kind of uh, generation of, 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 of people that we seem to be, you know, getting. Um, but actually, you know, it's also about the purpose of the organisation. Um, and I think we've lost that sense of knowing your why. You know, what is it beyond profit? And, uh, you know, coming to work, what, what is it that drives you? And uh, it isn't just money, you know, we, we get better results when we're connected to what our mission is, really. Yeah, and if you have to Google the why as to what you're doing in an organisation, yeah. then you're probably missing the point. Yeah, 100%. So, okay, so let's talk about what we can do to fix these problems. Um, and I mean, I think 
personally it's around fixing the basics you know and and we've we've both been in house haven't we for a number of years yeah. and fixing those basics is absolutely critical so what do we mean well there's three critical components that revolve around fixing the basics for me and it's one environment two culture and three people yeah. now i know you david have, do have a, has had a lot of experience with people and culture um, we'll talk a bit more about the culture piece in a moment. Um, but for me, environment is, you know, it can make or break your creativity and how stimulated you feel. Um, we, today we're recording from Workable in Stratford, East London, which has incredible views over the Olympic Park. And um, if you've got a great environment, then you are more likely to be a lot more innovative and creative. But um, there's also the people piece as well, isn't there? Um, and earlier on we talked about the employee journey and that mirroring what the customer journey is. And I would ask, well, you know, um, do you leave your customers on hold? Do you not have regular check-ins with them? Or, uh, you know, if, you're, if you've got a client account, how often do you just pick up the phone and have a chat and see what's going on? And it's the same with people, really, with those conversations, well-being, one-to-ones and development chats. Yeah, absolutely asking you know, how, how they are and how can they grow it tends to be around tasks quite a lot of the time, doesn't it, rather yeah. than another person. Yes, it does. Um, but yeah, just to stop on your reference to culture, Richard, you know, I think we all know what it's like to walk in a room and sort of feel the energy, you know, there's a negative vibe in a room or similarly a good party <laughs> going on. And it's a bit like that in an office, you know, some offices I work in, walk into and it feels dead or it feels tense, or it feels stressed. And so, you know, it's very much an energetic thing. Cultures of fear is often kind of, you know, sort of branded around. Um, you know, is the, is the environment a can-do environment? Is it micromanaged? Does it sort of feel like, you know, there's a command and control going on? Um, so it's really kind of temperature checking all those things and thinking about, you know, what sort of atmosphere <laughs> have we created and what does that say about us as a company and why people want to come and work here. You only need to look at Glassdoor to see negative comments to know the opposite of why somebody wants to go and work there and you're on the road to creating a better a better environment really, a better culture where people want to be. Absolutely. And then you get that sense anywhere in the world as well, you know, it's not a carbon copy but you just get a sort of ethos mm. that it's maybe linked to the values as well it should be. I mean values are not just sat on a on a page really. Well they're all entwined aren't they? Yeah. I mean if you have a decent set of company values that are communicated and everyone's on board, you have an environment where people feel great to come to work. I mean, uh, e even um, having a break room that you can sit in and yeah, you know, get away from if you're in an operational environment, um, that all lends itself nicely to one another. And the other word, collision. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yes. colliding. So I worked with, uh, in a media company for a while and it was, this, uh, you know, it was basically about 17 brands under one network. and. One of the objectives sort of for the for the organisation from the CEO was to make you know make it more collaborative and create more business opportunities and more connections. So she's you know she's, she used the word collision a lot, which I kind of latched onto because how do we make create more collisions across the organisation? So in that case, what I did was uh, I was launching a digital academy 
um, to sort of upskill the learning uh, around digital media. Um, but I quickly recognised we had loads of talent in the organisation. So actually it was about sort of uh, harvesting, if you like, that talent and getting them to share some of their expertise with other parts of the organisation. Uh, doing a bit of show and tell, but also, you know, actually exploring, um, you know, joint initiatives and stuff, which then created opportunities for revenue growth as well. So it kind of uh, worked in lots of different ways. I've also uh, worked with a TV company and we created debating teams to debate issues of, of the day, which was really good. So we had mixed teams, so it wasn't just one department versus another, and it solved business problems as well. And then I've also introduced stretch projects, organisational stretch projects, where you're solving business problems and putting working teams, but rather than just focusing on the problem, think about the learning experience as well as you're going through that. So I think those things create more opportunities beyond the water cooler, just to get people connecting and idea. Well they do, don't they? Because let's face it, the modern L&D practitioner now has become more of a consultant. So yeah. it's less about designing courses, but more about all those ideas that you've just come up with around the culture of the organisation, how you connect you know, people and, and create those collisions. Yeah. So those conversations start to happen. And that really is where the learning happens. Yeah, definitely. I think the final thing that we wanted to just say was making interactions less transactional. We yeah. talk, when we were talking about this, we said it's almost like once more with feeling. Um, so <laughs> Brené Brown is somebody we absolutely worship, you know, expert on both as a researcher and also personally in terms of her own growth on uh, empathy, which is ironic because she's a scientist actually. Mm -hmm. But, um, she, you know, she's some really good stuff on, you know, actually immersing yourself into others' world. Um, is, you know, I think it was Stephen Covey said, seek first to understand and then be understood. Yeah, you know, it's the more we can connect with people by having true empathy, we can build trust and then we build relationships. So, you know, thinking about how we show up and, you know, our voice and the words we use and that, that surrounding body language and the energy we bring to any conversation can impact on that individual but also the wider culture. Well, it certainly can because it's getting to know that person, isn't it? 100%. Showing that bit of empathy. Um, and while I was in the airline world, there was an airline that targeted its crew to make friends with at least two of their customers on board an aircraft on every flight. Um, and that had, um, it was driven through sales, but uh, it also had a, a huge um, positive impact on customer service. And I'd also ask, well, what are managers doing to get to know their teams a bit more Definitely. as well? So, uh, let's talk about resources. Yes. Um, so there's loads of great 15 places. minutes, nearly gone. It's nearly gone, isn't yeah. it? Um, Time management isn't our best strength, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to wrap up now. So um, if you are an in-house L&D practitioner, you're looking for more um, spaces to connect with like-minded people, then Brain Food is a fantastic group. Um, Brain Food Community is on LinkedIn and they meet up quite regularly to talk about these sorts of topics. Absolutely. And Collision, how can you create more collisions between your teams? This is a one of our sort of call, calls to action. Um, also with communication, how will your values drive better communication? How will, they, how will your values drive better humanness, if you like, in an organisation? 
Um, just a couple of other resources I'll mention as well is check out Brené's um, video on empathy. Just just go onto YouTube for that. It's, it's amazing. It's great. So the book I'm going to recommend to you. I'm not going to say too much about it. The corporate rebels are tracking progressive companies that are getting this stuff right across the globe. Um, so yeah, we've 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 nearly done a couple more calls to action from you, Richard. Yeah, so absolutely, environment is critical. You know, what is it that you could do to make some subtle changes in your environment to make it a little bit more engaging, or um, to make it a little bit more creative? Um, right, follow us on social media. Um, we are out there. Yes, and we are out there. Our hashtag is hashtag make it human. So our next session will be on the 24th of March, where we'll be talking about unleashing creativity. Unleashing, what a word, yeah. We're really excited, so do join us then on the 24th of March. See you then. Bye.